0: So I'm thankful for that, and I'm going to start in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. The way that I felt the Lord gave this to me is three Ps, peace, prosperity, and prophecy. And as we get into this word, you'll see what I mean by that. We talked a little bit on Sunday about peace and, and how the Lord wants every one of us to have it, and tonight, talking about peace, we, we, on Sunday, we, uh, we talked about the way of peace, and remember, every person has a direction from God, and in, when you're walking with the Lord, you will have peace in your life. And that's true 100% of the time. You can't have peace and not be with God. You can't have His peace and be outside of His will. And you can't be inside of His will and not have peace. This, what we're going to talk about tonight, it's a similar facet in that the individual can garner peace from what we're talking about but this is on a a different scale, I would say, this type of piece that we're going to talk about tonight. And I'm starting here, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, because I want you to see, first off, that I think this is quite possibly the most misunderstood verse in all of the Bible. When people quote this verse when people refer to this verse or make reference to it I would I would guess the percentage of times that it's inaccurate is very high because of the context in which this verse is given and that context almost never being understood when somebody tells this verse the verse says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And that really can sound like a nice personal edification. Brother, I know you're going through a hard time right now, but Jeremiah 29, 11... The Lord thinks good thoughts about you, and he's got good plans for your life. That's that's not incorrect, but that's not what this verse means. Now, I want to show you the whole thing right now in, in context of the whole chapter, but we're going to jump back just a minute to chapter 28 and let you really see exactly what's going on when that verse is is spoken jeremiah chapter 28 and i'm going to start in verse 1 now i apologize i have to do quite a bit of reading to get through this but i'm going to try and make it as bearable as i can for you and i'm actually going to read through a translation called the good news translation i like this one it's pretty easy to read not too difficult to listen to, hopefully, uh, but also easy to understand. So, Jeremiah 28 and verse 1, it says, so when you hear I or me, it's, that's the prophet of Jeremiah speaking. That same year in the fifth month of the fourth year of Zedekiah was king, Hananiah, Hananiah is a key person in this chapter. Jeremiah is the one, the prophet that writes the book. So Hananiah, the son of Azur, a prophet from the town of Gibeon, spoke to me in the temple. In the presence of the priests and of the people, he told me that the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, had said, this is in verse 2, I have broken, (laughs) it's not funny, but I'm laughing because I know where he's going with this. Hananiah, this prophet, comes to Jeremiah in the temple in front of all the priests and everybody. He says, this is what the Lord says. I have broken the power of the king of Babylonia. Okay, pause. Let me give you just a little bit more context. There was a nation of Israel and that city, that nation was, was torn down and they were led captive into Babylon or Babylonia as this translation calls it. Now they're all captives. The majority of the nation of Israel is captives inside of Babylon. So Hananiah's got this message, and he says, The Lord says, I've broken the power of the king of Babylonia. Within two years, I will bring back to this people, bring, bring, bring back to this place all the temple treasures. That King Nebuchadnezzar took to Babylonia. He goes into the temple. I got good news for everybody. The Lord told me, in two years, all of our stuff that was taken—all of the the candles and the offering plates and the, whatever we had, the speakers and the microphone and everything—all that we use in our temple that was taken by King Nebuchadnezzar is going to be brought back in two years. Verse four: I will also bring back the king of Judah, Jehoiachin, and the son of Jehoiakim, along with all of the people of Judah who went into exile in Babylonia. This is the message that Hananiah is saying he heard from the Lord. I'm going to bring them all back. Yes, I will break the power of the king of Babylonia. I, the Lord, have spoken. Verse five. Jeremiah's turn to respond to that. Then, in the presence of the priests and all of the people who were standing in the temple, I said to Hananiah, Wonderful. That sounds great. I added that part. Wonderful. I hope the Lord will do this. I certainly hope He will make your prophecy come true and will bring back from Babylonia all the temple treasures and all the people who were taken away as prisoners. Verse 7, he's going to drop some wisdom on Hananiah. But I but listen to what I say to you and to the people. The prophets who spoke long ago before my time and before your time, those prophets predicted war, starvation, Disease to many nations and to powerful kingdoms. That's not a new thing. This exile is not a new thing. The difficult conditions that our people have been put in is not a new thing. Prophets have been prophesying this since before I was even born. This is the kind of message that's been being said. Verse 9, But a prophet who predicts peace can only be recognized as a prophet whom the Lord has truly sent when that prophet's prediction comes true. So he says, I hope, he, he, he may be being a little sarcastic, but honest as well, saying, I hope that's true. I would love nothing more than to see this only last two years, and then after two years, all our treasures be returned to the temple, all our people be sent back to, the, to our nation, I hope that's true, but you know, the the undertone of your message is peace and prosperity and being returned to where you started in God, if I can put it that way, and you know, the only way we're all going to know that that's really true and that's really the word of God is after it happens that is the proof that your prophecy is true. Woo-hoo-hoo. You want to talk about setting a boy straight. I can just imagine Hananiah. Okay. Well, I thought I heard from the Lord. I thought I was speaking the the true prophecy that the Lord gave me. But so what I see what happens next is almost Just as entertaining because Hananiah doubles down on what's going to happen. Verse 10, then Hananiah took the yoke off my neck, broke it in pieces and said, in the presence of all the people, the Lord has said that this this is how he will break the yoke of King Nebuchadnezzar. The yoke that the king has put on the neck of all the nations. And he will do this within two years. Jeremiah says, Then I left. I left. I, I, the, this guy's still talking. I've said my part. What I know is true, what I feel from the Lord, and I'm done. I left. Verse 12 picks up. It says, sometime after this, the Lord told me to go tell Hananiah. The Lord has said that you may be able to break a wooden yoke. But he will replace it with an iron yoke. The Lord Almighty, (laughs) I can just imagine Jeremiah is probably thinking, "Uh, we're going to get here in just a minute. To about this yoke business. But I can just imagine after him wearing a, a yoke, he was actually, it was a literal wooden yoke that the Lord told him to make. He was wearing it. And I'm, I'm thinking, Jeremiah's probably thinking, I really hope you didn't just bring this on me and the Lord's going to tell me to put on an iron yoke now. But he's saying, what you did, that little display and the words that you said and everything, sure, You were trying, maybe, but the Lord, if you think that the the yoke of the king over all these nations can be broken that simple, then you know what? If it happens, the Lord can put a stronger yoke on all these nations, and he won't let it off until he's ready for it to be off. We're talking about peace, prosperity, and prophecy. The Lord has said that he will make even the wild animals serve Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 15. Then I told Hananiah this and added, Listen, Hananiah, the Lord did not send you. Now, I like this. I like that Jeremiah was maybe level-headed enough to, to, to... take some time and go and really process and really pray and really get alone with God and say I don't know how to respond to this right now Lord this is a this is a new unexpected event and it's really caught me off guard so he he took some time got alone with God again I wouldn't be surprised if there was fasting involved in that period to make sure that what he hears and how he responds is really God and the truth. So he go, he's he got a word for Hananiah now after he's let that time pass and hurt. So he says, The Lord did not send you and you are making these people believe a lie. And so the Lord himself says that he is going to get rid of you. Before this year is over... You will die because you have told the people to rebel against the Lord. And Hananiah died in the seventh month of that year. We're gonna, that's the end of chapter 28. We're going to get back to 29 where we started. I know the, the plans that I have for you. The thoughts that I think towards you. The prosperity and the peace we're going to get to that, but I want you to just really quickly look back at chapter 27. We're working our way backwards to understand what does Jeremiah 29, 11 mean. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of peace and not of evil, and to bring you to an expected end. What does that mean? Well, this is what we're saying. It was not the prophecy Of peace within two years that Hananiah tried to bring before the people. That wasn't it. And the Lord had to unveil those things. Why why would he say, Hananiah, you're making the people rebel against the Lord by saying this? Because what he's saying is, if it's only going to last two years first of all that's gonna change my port my financial portfolio a big deal because if I know I've got a guaranteed sure thing that in the third year I'm gonna get my old job back I'm gonna have my old customers back I'm gonna have I'm gonna be mowing those lawns again because they're gonna live there whatever the job was and and so you've got totally outside of the plan and will of God because you're making them think One thing's going to happen. It's not just giving them false hope. Now, that alone is pretty serious. But he's saying you're making them actually rebel against the Lord because the Lord could be dealing with a person, a young man, a young woman, a family, dealing with them and saying, I know that you're ready for this season to change. I know that you wish things would look different post-haste. That means right away. I know you're ready for that to change. And then if a prophet comes along and says, hold on for just two years. Oh, okay, I think I can do that. When the Lord is sitting there saying, I never gave you a time frame. I only told you to hold on. I only told you to trust, be patient, follow after me. Hananiah, you're making these people rebel by bringing them a false prophecy. Okay, now jump back to chapter 27. Jeremiah 27 and 1. Now, the title of this chapter is Jeremiah Wears an Ox Yoke. In case you were wondering what does that yoke mean and how did that come about, that's what we're going to see here. <clears throat> Jeremiah 27 and one soon after Josiah's son Zedekiah became king of Judah the Lord told me that's Jeremiah to make myself a yoke out of leather straps and wooden crossbars and put it on my neck notice he told him to do that before he gave him the meaning because verse three is the meaning. Of what this means, why you would do that, but it's kind of like it's kind of like a little microcosm of the story of Noah. Noah, build a boat. Okay, I'll build a boat. I don't know why, but I'm gonna build a boat. Jeremiah, build a yoke and put it on. Uh, If you say so. Verse three Then the Lord told me to send a message to the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, Sidon. Those five countries. Send the message to them through their ambassadors who had come to Jerusalem to see King Zedekiah. Here's the message, verse 4. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, told me to command them to tell their kings that the Lord had said, verse 5, by my great power and strength I created the world just in case you're wondering who's doing the talking the creator of the world by my power by my strength I created the world the human beings and all the animals that live on the earth and I give it to anyone I choose Let me just pause to make sure we understand the the principle that was that's given right here. There is no life other than what God creates. There is none. No human, no animal, no plant. No, no mold growing on your bread. That's life. Unless the Lord's going to allow it. <laughs> it's not happening. Unless the Lord allows it. Unless the Lord allows it, there will be no life. That's who's talking here. I created the world, the human beings, and all the animals that live on the earth, and I give it to anyone that I choose. I can give this. Give what? Everything. The life of the human. The life of the animal. The moldy bread. I can give it to whoever I choose. See where he's going with this? Who's this message for? Leaders of nations. The kings of Tyre and Sidon and Ammon and Moab. It's the message to them. The Lord gives control to whom he wants to have control. You think, king, you were born in the right bloodline or in the right place at the right time or pulled the right sword out of the right stone. You you think you got here because of something you did and you were given control over a kingdom because of something you did or because of how special you are. In case you forgot, I am created the world and everything in it and I give it to whom I want to have it. to make me run the aisles on election night. Verse 6. I am the one who has placed all these nations under the power of my servant King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylonia. Now pause again. My servant King Neb. Yes, the evil one. The one that enslaves people. The one that is a hard taskmaster. He's my servant. Now, I didn't say that he's a good guy. I didn't say that he's, he's pleasing in all of his ways. No, he's my servant. What does a servant do? What the master tells him to do. I chose to let your kingdom and your kingdom and your kingdom and your kingdom all fall under his power. Now, in case you forgot, we're in chapter 27, but remember what happened in chapter 28? A false prophet went to these leaders and said, good news, it's only going to last two more years. Place them under my servant, King Nebuchadnezzar. And I have made even the wild animals serve him. All nations will serve him. And they will serve his son and his grandson until the time comes for his own nation to fall. Ah, interesting. What chapter we're in? 27. Who's doing the speaking? The Lord's speaking through Jeremiah. And he's saying a, a, a king... A king's son, a king's grandson, three generations. That thing doesn't usually happen in two years. Now, here he has not actually given a time frame. He's just said, it's going to be this ruler and this ruler and this ruler. And when I'm done, when I'm ready, we're going to change gears. Now, this is why Jeremiah in chapter 28, he can say, I hope that's true. I hope what you're saying is true. It will only be two years. But you know what? The Lord's going to have to do a, a lot of work in a little time to get through three generations of kings in the span of two years. Now, he can do it, he can do anything, he can do it in three seconds. <laughs> He can do whatever he wants. But Jeremiah is putting two and two together and saying, here's what the word of the Lord said. Here's here's what's in place right now. I don't really see that coming about in that span of time. We're talking about prophecy. We're talking about peace. We're talking about prosperity. For the people of God. Verse 7 again, all nations will serve him and they will serve his son and they will serve his grandson until the time comes for his own nation to fall. Then his nation will serve powerful nations and great kings. Verse 8, but if any nation or kingdom will not submit to his rule, they're in trouble. I gave control to him. If you're not going to obey him, you're going to be in trouble. I ought to do this one time. We ought to leave the house and leave my five kids and say, Colin's in charge, the, the six year old. Can you imagine? I mean, it would be a fun experiment. There would probably be a lot to reconcile whenever we got home, however long we left them in that state. But the, the issue is, if I tell my child, number one, number two, number three, or number four, if I tell them number five's in charge and you have to listen to them, who are they really obeying? Me. Me. I am wise enough to know what is the caboose going to do. What is number five gonna? How's he gonna run the show? (laughs) I'm also wise enough to know that it is gonna go straight to his head the moment we leave the door, and things are gonna get broken, feelings are gonna get hurt, people, things are gonna be a mess. We might not have a dog when I come home. You never know. (laughs) But the principle is, I'm the one in charge. And I can give control to whoever I want to have control. And we will find out who's obedient. We will find out who is the usurper. That means which one's going to rise up against him, Or try to control from within. (laughs) Or whatever happens behind the scenes. Because I know exactly how that would play out. The middle child would go to the youngest and say, hey, you know what would be really cool? You know what we should do? Or God forbid that one of those kids is at odds with one of the other kids and gets to him first. Hey, you're in charge. You could make them stay outside in the backyard. If you want. I'm not saying you have to. But it's a thought. And then you got the little one yeah. That is a thought. You see, Ooh, we're talking about obedience. Mm. I'm in verse 8, 27 and 8. But if any nation or kingdom will not submit to his rule, then I will punish that nation by war, starvation, and disease until I have let Nebuchadnezzar destroy it completely. The moment you get outside of my rule and my, my will and my control, all I have to do is cut off your food supply. And trust me, I can do it. All I have to do is send a pesky little plague. And trust me, I can do it. And you think you're big and strong now, and you think you can stand up against the king of Babylon, but you know what? Try doing it with no army. Try doing it when you haven't eaten in a year. You're not going to get very successful. Submit. Everybody say, submit. I will punish that nation. Verse 9. Do not listen to your prophets. Do not listen. There it is. Do not listen to your prophets. Do not listen to your prophets. What's going to happen in chapter 28? The very next setting of scripture. A prophet's going to come and say, I've got a word from God. Do not listen to your prophets. Or those who claim they can predict the future, either by dreams or by calling up of the spirits or the dead or by magic they all will tell you not to submit to the king of babylon you get an unclean spirit in the mix and it has to promote disobedience it has to that's the nature of the spirit And my kids get mad when when I can pick up on a little bit of disobedience. And they've yet to disobey, but I know it's there. I I know you didn't say it, but I know you were thinking it. I wasn't even, I know you, mm, I'm a step ahead of you, child. This is what the Lord is saying through his prophet. If you go and try to find anybody to give you a word from God that you can lean on and walk on, it's going to have in its very nature disobedience, unsubmission. We have to be really careful. We have to be really careful. What voices. We allow into our spirits. Especially when we're in critical seasons of our life. When we know uh, the Lord is doing something in my life. He's got this going on. And it's, it's a major thing for me. They will all tell you not to submit to the king of Babylon. They are, verse 10, they are deceiving you and will cause you to be taken far away from your country. I will drive you out and you will be destroyed. But if any nation submits to the king of Babylon and serves him, then I will let it stay on its own land to farm it and live there. Now just imagine you're the king of one of those five territories and you hear this and you have a decision to make. We've been told we have a very realistic possibility to get to stay in our land and farm it and live here and do our own thing. All we have to do is obey King Nebuchadnezzar. That's not going to be a really popular message to the people. Is it? When they go back to their nation, the king of Moab calls all the Moabites to him and says, I have great news. We will not be in exile. You get to to keep your home. You get to keep. I almost said your health insurance. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) You get to keep what you have. The only thing you have to do is submit to King Nebuchadnezzar if and when he decides to insert a law for us. If we don't, I'm just going to say this, if we don't, uh, there was something said about starvation and disease and and us being destroyed. So, So let's take a vote. Who wants to be totally in charge, never have to worry about King Nebuchadnezzar coming into our territory and telling us what to do? And who wants to just be completely 100% in charge and know that even if he shows up, we're going to rebel against him? Show of hands, people. Verse 12, I said the same thing to King Zedekiah of Judah. Submit to the king of Babylon. This is, this is the king of Judah, in case you missed that. The king of Judah, another nation, the nation of God's people. Submit to King Nebuchadnezzar. Serve him and his people and you will live. Why should you and your people die in war or of starvation or of disease. That is what the Lord has said will happen. To any nation that does not submit to the king of Babylon. Verse 14. Do not listen to the prophets who tell you not to surrender to him. They are deceiving you. That's, that's not the first time we've heard that, is it? But it's repeated because it's important. Do not listen to... The prophets that tell you not to submit to him. Can you believe it? There was a... There was a a job category, if I can put it that way. To simply be a false prophet. You could... you, You can... You can have your own temple, you can have your own following, you can have an audience with the king, simply by being someone who says the opposite. This is all throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. I promise you, it's a part of almost every story. There will be false prophets there will be somebody that tells you the opposite of what God has said. That's a, that is a guarantee. That's a promise. Verse 15, The Lord himself has said that he did not send them and that they are lying to you in his name. And so he will drive you out, and you will be killed. And the prophets, you and the prophets who are telling you these lies, will all be killed. Verse 18. Uh, let's skip that. Jump over now to chapter 29. There, I, I, I'm going to skip that for the sake of time, but that, the end of chapter 27 deals specifically with, remember we talked about the treasures in the temple? when the people were taken out of exile, they left a few things there in the temple. Things were left behind. And what Jeremiah actually says, or what the Lord says to Jeremiah is, if they were really true, godly prophets and cared about my stuff, they would be looking after what's been left behind and trying to make sure it doesn't get taken. If they were really true prophets. But they're not worried about this. They're worried about getting back what was stolen. So look at where their focus is. And you know, I left them some things to do what they needed to do with it. But they're not interested in that. So he ends that chapter 27 by saying, This stuff is also going to get stolen. But I will bring it all back. This and what was already taken. Chapter chapter 29 now. Now, I'm not going to read it again right now, but we'll get there. Verse 11. Again, one of the most, if not the most, misunderstood, misused, misquoted verses in all of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, is that verse, verse 11. For I know... The plans. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. I will prosper you. I will give you peace. Jeremiah 29, verse 1. I wrote, this is Jeremiah speaking, I wrote a letter to the priests, the prophets, the leaders of the people, and to all the others whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken as prisoners from Jerusalem to Babylon. The Lord told me to write. I wrote him a letter. I wrote it after King Jehoiachin and his mother, the, pl- the palace officials, the leaders of Judah and of Jerusalem, the engravers and the skilled workers had been taken into exile after all of our key leaders were gone into exile. Then the Lord had me write this. Verse 3, I gave the letter to Elisha, the son of Shaphan, and the, I gave the letter to them and these guys too, whom King Zedekiah of Judah was sending to King Nebuchadnezzar. Here's what the letter said. Verse 4. The, verse 11 is a part of the letter, just in case you haven't caught that yet. It's, it's a one part of this big letter that he's writing. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those people whom he allowed Nebuchadnezzar to take away as prisoners from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. <laughs> I just picture the wives sitting next to the husbands when they just get that far into the letter. Mm-hmm. I told you we were going to be here a while and you got all those tools and you got that lumber. <laughs> Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what you grow in them. Marry and have children. Then let your children get married so that they also may have children. Okay, in case you didn't catch that, we're going to be here a while. Long enough for me and you to get married, for us to have kids, for them to get married, and for them to have kids. We're going to be here a while. Finish the shed. (laughs) We're going to be here a while. We're talking about peace, prosperity, and prophecy. We're going to be here a while. You must increase in numbers and not decrease. Verse 7, work for the good of the cities where I have made you go as prisoners. That's a a civil lesson in the middle of all of this. Be a good citizen of the city where you're sent. If that's not enough, if, if working for them is not enough, pray for them. Pray to me on their behalf because if they are prosperous, you will be prosperous. I, the Lord, the God of Israel, warn you not to let yourselves be deceived by the prophets who live among you or by any others who claim they can predict the future. Do not pay attention to their dreams. That's not a verse we've already read. This is the third time that that warning is given do not listen to the false prophets when they come to you and say i had a dream that a year from now you're going to get to go back or your whole family's going to get to go back or we're all going don't listen to them how am i supposed to have the mindset of settling down building my house building my family, working my job, how am I supposed to have that mindset and also have one ear listening just in case anybody's going to tell me I get to leave this all behind and go do something else? You know what you get? Unstable. You get unstable when you are listening for another option. When you're listening for plan B, I know oh I am fully committed to the work of the Lord here but you know oh, can we take a break for just a minute the Seahawks Russell Wilson we got to see this last uh, over this last off season I am fully committed to being a Seahawk but you know what I would also play for this team and this team and this I think he gave him four teams Oh no I am a Seahawk for life but I would be a Dallas Cowboy I, I would be a Chicago Bear, but no, trust me, I'm a Seahawk. My, uh, my roots are planted here. Okay, how are you saying both things? Now, that's just a little carnal example. But in my life, how am I going to tell the Lord, I'm 100% committed to this calling where you placed me? But if you want to transport me to Hawaii and give me a church there, I'm listening. It's the third time. Don't listen to somebody that tells you something else. verse 9 they are telling you lies in my name i did not send them i the lord almighty have spoken verse 10 the lord says when babylonia is sev- when babylonia's 70 years are over i will show my concern for you and keep my promise to bring you back home plain and simple here's the timeline set the watch 70 years that's how long in my plan Babylon is going to rule these nations you can have a prosperous 70 years if Babylon is prosperous and by the way Your instruction is to pray that they are. Or you can have a miserable 70 years with no peace because every day instead of praying, Lord, I'm going to be here 70 years and then I'm going home. Instead of that, maybe today he'll change his mind. Maybe today some other country is going to come in here and overthrow this. And I'm just going to stand back and watch it burn. Pack my bags. This is, you know, this is overlapping very closely with what we talked about on Sunday about the misery part of not having any peace. After 70 years, I will bring you back home verse 11 this sacred verse I alone know the plans I have for you plans to bring you prosperity and not disaster plans to bring about the future you hope for if you have to The next time you see or hear this verse, just tag on in 70 years to the end of it to try and drive the message home. You might lose a few friends on Facebook. (laughs) That's what the verse says. To bring you to an expected end. That's the way King James puts it. My plan to bring you to an expected end after 70 years. The 70 years was in the verse just before it. If nothing else, don't let verse 11 sit alone. Put verse 10 with it. The principle of all of this is God's timing. The 70 years is God's timing in this situation. In your situation, it might be five years. It might be five more days. It might be 70 years. Oh, I don't like the sound of that. I like five days a lot better. Trust me, you don't want the five days if his plan is the five years. You don't want the perceived peace and prosperity that you get in five days if his plan is five years. Neither do you want to live in misery for five years if his plan is to take you there in five days. The principle is the timing of the Lord. Just like you don't want the peace if it's outside of his time, and you don't want the prosperity if it's outside of his time, you don't even want the prophecy if it's outside of his time. We could be, I'm not going to say we would, we will, but we could be in a lot of trouble if the Lord started prophesying to us all individually tonight about the great and awesome things He's going to do for us in the future. Because if I get that prophecy and He says, I'm going to do awesome things for you in the future, and to me in the future means tomorrow... But to him, it means in 10 years, then tomorrow when the awesome things don't happen, I get mad. What happened to that prophecy? It's still there. It's in my timing. I'm going to give you a raise on your job after three and a half years. Wait, nobody has to wait three and a half years for a raise. You don't want it if it's not my time. Oh, I'll just give it all back to you oh, really you want to put that to the test do you oh, oh, you lord you could do so much more with 15 more cents an hour well yeah that's true I could but you could do a lot of wrong with it too and do you <laughs> do you want it if it's outside of my time This is just what he says when he says my peace I give to you not as the world gives Why don't we stand I'm going to come to a close here There uh, I don't know when it started uh, it's, it's nothing new, I think, as we can see in the scripture. But it's, there, there started to be this thing called a prosperity doctrine being uh, spoken and, I guess I could use the term, perpetrated in Christian churches. And that prosperity doctrine essentially says, God just wants you to have more. God just wants you to have better. You're not doing your best Yet, God has better for you. Huh, what if better looks like a car wreck? I knew a young man. I know a young man. I think he was 16, maybe 17 years old. He's well into his 20s now, but... At that day, he wasn't even driving. He was in the passenger side of a car. I think it was his friend or his cousin was driving. And they were in a, a serious wreck. He was hit on his side. I mean, just completely messed up. He would tell you today, that made me better. Having to go through that having to be faced with the realistic possibility I might not ever walk again. Made me better. That's prosperity. What? You don't get very far in the kingdom with men when you're preaching things like this. Oh, just hold on, brother. The Lord's got a car wreck with your name on it. What? No, I want the mansion with my name on it. Okay, you can have it and all the taxes that go... No, hang on. That doesn't sound good. Free and clear, please. Oh, you can have the mansion. You just have to get the stewardship that comes along with it. No, thank you. Free and clear, please. I'm just... Do you see how far off people get when they just read Jeremiah 29 and 11. The Lord's got awesome plans for me. He's going to prosper me. He does in his time. When it's his time. The beautiful thing is he already knows it. I don't have to convince him. Lord, I thought you were going to do awesome things. I thought you were going to do prosperous things. Oh, I am. You know what I think a lot of the problem is? Is we get frustrated when I can't convince you that he has plans for me. I care more about what you think about the potential plans that he has for me then when he's going to let those unfold in my life and so you know what yeah the lord prophes- uh, prophesied to me when i was 12 years old he's going to do these awesome things sometime in my future and at 18 it hasn't happened and at 25 it hasn't happened at 26 but you know what at 18 he did something awesome for somebody else and 25 he did something awesome for somebody else and i'm sitting there thinking when is my time Oh, yeah, that's great that the Lord's doing that for you. But he's really going to do something better for me. But you can't see it yet. And that really frustrates me. I want, the, I want the peace in his time, the prosperity in his time. I want the prophecy, the word of God from him in his time. Can we pray, Lord Jesus? Lord, our lives are open before You tonight. Our lives are open before You tonight, Father. You know all things, Jesus. God, it's You that holds every day and every moment in Your hand. God, You control, just as the Scripture says, every living thing, every living human, Lord, every life. There is no life without You, Jesus. You created it all, Lord God. And you are in control of it all, Lord Jesus. I'm praying right now, God, I only want what you would allow into my life. I only want, Father, the things that you have in store for me. I know that you have a plan for each life. I know that you have a will and a purpose, God, for each life. And that you would do great and awesome things through every one of us. I believe it, God. I know that it's true. I'm praying right now, Father, that the timing would also be right. Jesus, I'm praying that my spirit would be right, that my attitude would be right, Lord Jesus, because I know all things come from You, Jesus. I'm not going to listen, Lord, to any other voice but Yours, God, I'm not going to allow any other influence into my life, God, Lord, that might try to change a situation that is God-ordained. I'm not going to allow those outside, invo- those, those outside voices to influence me. In the name of Jesus, God, anoint my ears right now, I pray. Anoint my ears, Lord God, that I would hear only the voice of God that I would know what is the truth of God. I pray anoint my mind, Lord Jesus. I pray covering over my mind right now, God. Jesus, that only thoughts that come from You would be allowed, God. As the Scripture says, every thought, let it be in captivity to You, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, You are so good. Lord, Your Word is true, Your word is true, Jesus. I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for the timing that you have for my life, Jesus. I thank you, God, for the way that you would unfold your plan in my life. In the name of Jesus, you are perfect, God, in every one of your ways. Your ways are higher than our own. Jesus, your plans are higher than our own. In the name of Jesus, He kata hai a ramasata hai e andolo hai ea e In the name of Jesus, Lord, we long for your will. Lord, we long for your will. E andolo In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, thy will be done, Father. Thy will be done, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, In the name of Jesus, Lord, we would allow your will to be done in our lives. God, I'm praying that you orchestrate, Lord, the events of every one of our lives. Jesus, you know what's in store. You know what's best for us, Lord Jesus. Help us to trust you with it, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Eondalomoka hasatahaye. I trust you, Lord. I trust you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. We long for your will. Amen, I'm encouraging you. Don't let a voice of, I wouldn't even call it a voice of opposition. Don't let a voice of of any anything different than what you've already heard from God come against you. Don't give it place in your mind. Don't give it place in your spirit. That's what the Lord is, is showing us so clearly tonight is he has a way. He has a plan for your life. And just as sure as that, the enemy would love to disrupt it. Brother Vance? that patience amen thanks the lord god bless you you are dismissed greet one another